0: was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in the Gospel of Luke. For more audio or information about our church, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. And to afflict the comfortable. you heard that? That a faithful pastor should be all about comforting those who are afflicted and afflicting those who are comfortable. I love this saying because there's so much truth in it because is that not what the gospel does? Like the gospel doesn't hurl afflictions on the afflicted. Instead, the gospel says to those who are afflicted, there is hope, there is peace through Jesus Christ. And also, the gospel's primary uh, goal is not to comfort those who are just comfortable in life. It's not. Instead, uh, the gospel not so subtly reminds us that sometimes the best thing for you in your life is for your life to be flipped upside down. So that we rely on Jesus Christ. And so to comfort the afflicted, to afflict the comfortable. So after reading our text this week in Luke, after reading it, I I, I came to the conclusion that there are very few scriptures that exemplify this better than this one. Uh, Luke chapter 6. So here Jesus is giving us a mini-sermon. It's this powerful message. We'll look at this in a minute. But in verse 20, he says that he looks at his disciples in the eyes and he delivers this incredible, incredibly powerful message to them that we're going to look at this morning. One more thing I want to say before we actually read it is, um, so here in a moment, I want to just read it all the way through. Read Jesus' words to us all the way through, okay? And then we'll kind of take a step back and walk through them. But as I read through them, I want you to ask, I want to ask you to do something for me. I want as best as you can to put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. When Jesus looks up, looks at them in the eyes and, and says these things, I want you to do your best to put yourself in these shoes. So here's what that means. Um, as though this was speaking directly to you, what are the thoughts that flood your mind? What, are the, um, what parts of this cause you to just see this incredible hope What parts of this, when you hear it, says, yes, I needed to hear that? Also, what parts of this, as you read it, or as you hear it read, um, honestly make you uncomfortable? What parts of this make you, uh, where you catch yourself trying to justify yourself? What parts of this, do you, you have some questions. If you were here, you'd be asking Jesus questions. What parts of this? As I read this, I want you to kind of take an inventory of your heart in an inventory of your thoughts, as though Jesus looks up and looks at you and says these words. Will you do that with me? No? All right. Uh, after I read it, then we'll pray, we'll dive in. Okay, so, so let's look at verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Bless are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Verse 24, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Let me pray for us. God, as we look at your word, as we look at This message that your son gave, you gotta use it. Speak to us this morning, we pray. For your glory, and it's in your name, amen, amen. I don't know why, by the way, I feel like I need to apologize as I read read that, because for some of you who may have grown up in church, um, have a church background, you may have thought that I just absolutely butchered that reading. It's blessed, Right, some of you know what I mean. Blessed, not blessed, blessed uh, to you. I'm sorry, I couldn't get myself to do it because I, I believe we made up that word. So, <laughs> right, I'm joking, of course, because I might drop a couple blesseds in here. Forgive me if I do. Um, but here in Jesus' message, message we see two sections. We see the blessed section, or for those blessed section, and then we see followed by that the woe section or the warning. Uh, section. In each of these sections, what we're going to see is parallel things. J- um, Jesus is going to hit four things in parallel through these sections. So here's just all the cards on the table. Here's where we're going. We're going to look at these texts, and we're going to look at these four things. We're just going to walk through them one by one. Uh, and so let's just start with the first one. The first thing that Jesus hits, he, he says this, "'Bless are you who are poor.'" For yours is the kingdom of God. But woe to you, later on, who are rich, for you have received your consolation. As I read that to you, I am fully aware that in this room, as I say these words, that although many of us might not think of ourselves as rich, the majority of the world looks at us as such. In this room, I am fully aware that as I say these words, that the vast majority of us, if we are honest, would find ourselves most naturally in the woe category than we would the blessed category. As I read this, I am fully aware that some of you are waiting, saying, all right, Pastor, what are you gonna say? Are you gonna tell me I need to sell everything? Are you gonna tell me it's wrong to have nice things? Are you gonna tell me that I need to just totally give up and, and, and pursue poverty? Is it wrong to be rich? Um, Let's all take a deep breath together, and let's look at what Jesus actually says first. He says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He tells all who are poor, you are blessed. That's a weird statement because there is an incredible amount of hopelessness and helplessness, and you are completely vulnerable in poverty. And Jesus here, he looks at poverty right in the eyes. And he says, you are blessed because yours is the kingdom of God. Now keep in mind, Jesus and his followers, they weren't exactly a wealthy bunch uh, at, at all. And in fact, the disciples had left their, uh, their jobs to follow this man. They left their jobs. They left the normal, the typical life to follow. And and, and in their culture, as with ours, that would have been a difficult move. That would have been difficult. And Jesus looks at them. No doubt they're feeling a little strange about what's about to happen to them in their life. Like, what have we done? And Jesus looks at them in the face, eye to eye, and encourages them You are blessed. You are blessed. In the face of poverty, hopelessness, helplessness, you are blessed and yours is the kingdom. That's a message of hope. It's absolutely a message of hope. And can I put before you this morning that when I say poverty, uh, it includes but it extends beyond physical poverty. Uh, so, for example, in Matthew, and Matthew records the same thing. he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's touching on a spiritual dynamic here. Uh, and so I want you to, to see, there, there is both a physical and spiritual dimension to this, this poverty. But please understand here, when Jesus looks eye to eye with his disciples, he is referring to all of the above. It is poverty that has no ground. Blessed are you. In the face of po- poverty, he meets it, defeats it with the good news of the gospel. Um, so, just right off the bat, before we move on, for anyone in this room who finds themselves in a place of helplessness and hopelessness and in a season of incredibly incredible difficult times, you are blessed. You are blessed because this is not the end, this is not defeat. Yours is the kingdom forever. You are blessed. You are blessed. Now, I want to look at a few questions that jump off the page from this. The first one is is this. Should poverty be our goal? I mean, Jesus blessed it and woed the opposite. So should poverty be our goal? Goal. There have been many who have read this text and texts like it who have taken from this text that they need to sell everything, give everything away so that they can pursue God better. They, they, there's, this, there's this sense that, that to give everything away will get you God's blessing. So let's ask the question, should poverty be our goal? Church, a resounding no a resounding. Our answer has to be no, because the key to God's blessing is not found in pursuing poverty, just as it is not found in pursuing prosperity. Both of these break down. Um, pursuing poverty or prosperity in order to attain God's blessing is not biblical. It is not biblical. Matthew tells us, "Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added." Seek first. Our goal cannot be poverty as a means to attain God's favor and, and blessing. Poverty is not our goal. Let me say this. Pursuing Christ is our goal. Whether that be through abundance or scarcity, pursuing Christ is our goal, which is why poverty theology over here that says in order to be cool with Christ, you got to get rid of everything, and then he'll love you more, is wrong. And that's why over here, equally, uh, prosperity theology that says God wants you to come to him because then he's going to bless you and you're going to be happy and healthy and wealthy. Wrong. Both of these mindsets um, are not biblical. And And it fails to take in consideration what we've called stewardship, which is this. I'm going to pursue Christ. Whatever I have at my disposal, I will use to that end. Whether that be through much, whether that be through little, I will pursue Christ as my goal, leverage it for the kingdom. Should poverty be my goal? No. Jesus Christ should be, whether that be through poverty or prosperity. Second question that is going to jump off this page. Is being rich a disadvantage you know, I, I see texts, it's like camel through the eye of an, and that doesn't sound good, uh, wise young ruler, rich young ruler, um, is being rich a disadvantage? Hear me, and I say this with all love, church, it can be. It, it, it can be, and for many in our community, perhaps some in this room, it is. It is, um, it reminds me of a proverb, uh, Proverbs 38 and 9. I love this text. It says, uh, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Listen to this, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I love this text because it shows us that the end is neither prosperity or poverty, it's him. But this text is very clear that riches can do something strange in us. That riches can make it difficult for us to fall Because we have the ability to rely on ourselves. We have the ability to pursue and attain comfort. Riches can be something that the enemy will use to blind us. This is absolute. In other words, it, let me just say this before you take me the wrong way. Um, Riches are not and have never been the problem. Ever. The problem is and has always been our heart. And for some of us, we are prone to a heart condition, a heart sickness that riches comes alongside and, and cultivates. And for us in this room who may be there, is being rich a disadvantage? Well, if it takes you away from pursuing Christ, yes. Yes, it, it can be. I think of it like a glutton. This is a little bit easier to think of. Um, just gluttony is his thing. Like, he pounds back food with the best of them, right? And he camps out all day, offices out of an all you can eat buffet. Now, is there anything wrong with food? No. Is there anything wrong with a buffet? In my opinion, they're gross, but no. Um, is there anything wrong with spending time in a buffet? No. Is it wrong for this man to spend time in the buffet? Yes. And why? It's not the food. It's not, the, it's not any of that. It, it's because it pr- promotes gluttony in his heart. And it promotes the sickness where he worships the food rather than the creator. So is it a disadvantage for this man to be camped out at the buffet? Yes. Wealth is a lot like that. Wealth is a lot like that. Just as a glutton should maybe push away from that bar and maybe office out of somewhere that doesn't have free food. Um, The same could be said about some of us who, who recognize in ourselves that there is a heart problem. And maybe we need to back away from the bar of pursuing materialism in the rat race that we have caught ourselves in. You know what I mean. For some of us, it might be time to, to take an inventory of our, our heart's desires for the American dream and things for the sake of Jesus Christ. Is being rich a disadvantage? It can be, and for some it absolutely is, because our goal is Jesus Christ, through much or through little, to enjoy him, to, to glorify him, and to share him. That's our goal. Uh, for some of you who are here, by the way, who have done well financially, um, you'll be the first to attest to the fact that this is real. I've never met a faithful steward of, who has been given a lot of financial means who has not attested to the fact that, yeah, this could be a trap. Owning things without them owning you is very difficult. And for those of you who are faithful stewards of your money, you know that there is an incredible joy in loving God and using your money. But you know there is an incredible emptiness when you reverse that, when you love your money and you use God. You know this. You can attest to this. You you see this, you've you've probably lived this. And so for for those of us in the room, maybe, maybe right here in this moment, you're feeling a little bit of a wrestling of where am I? What is my heart? doing what is the condition of my heart right now um i came across this in a book that i was reading this week and it is beautifully written and it's three simple questions that i would love to share with you before we move on to the second thing as i read these i just want you to honestly ask and honestly answer not out loud unless you feel so inclined um but let me share you these these questions We in our culture are constantly assaulted with the temptation to rely on riches. Can we not rely on them and yet have them? Question two. We in our culture are dulled to our need by our plenty. Can we have plenty and feel our need? Question three, we, in our culture, again, tend to be proud of what we have done to take credit for our comforts. Can we live a humble life? Church, these are phenomenal questions that we need to ask and we need to answer. We need to ask them. We need to answer them. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. The second thing I want to move forward. The second thing we see in our text. You're going to see these kind of build. Jesus said, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. So again, right off the bat, um, physical hunger is uh, physical and spiritual hunger are, are in view here, just like we said with, with poverty. Um, now, hunger is an interesting thing. I don't know about you, uh, but I've never been, been able to satisfy my hunger. Here's what I mean. Uh, I wake up every morning hangry. My stomach is groaning. I wake up and I need food. I, I will go get food. And no matter what, it lasts about four hours before, what do you know, that hunger is back again, right? Hunger is this weird thing that is, that is fleeting. Hunger returns. You look beyond uh, food. Let's look at stuff. So have you ever wanted something really badly, really badly, really badly? And then you get it. And then you find this weird thing happens that uh, maybe a few weeks, maybe a month later, and it just has lost its sparkle. And all of a sudden, you catch yourself hungering for something else, for, for something else that you don't have. For those of you with small children, this is readily on display. When they ask for things, and they, they want things so bad, you give it to them, and then in three minutes, you find it shoved under the couch, forgotten, right? Right? It's because we have this this hunger that is not not satisfied. It moves. It it moves. Satisfaction is elusive. It's elusive. It's ever-moving. A good way to prove this, think about the holidays coming up. We have Thanksgiving and Christmas. I promise that no matter how much you eat on Thanksgiving, no matter how much you can make yourself sick, you will hunger again. No matter how much you get on Christmas, how much you get, like how many incredible things you get, I promise you're going to want again. Because our our satisfaction, it's elusive. Blessed are you who are hungry, for you will be satisfied. So for those longing for and realizing that lasting satisfaction cannot actually be found here. In this life, for those of us who realize that, Jesus looks us in the eye and says, you are blessed because there will come a day when you will hunger no more, when you will want no more. In fact, you will never want again because you will have everything completely and perfectly fulfilled in your life. There will come a day when you will never want again and you are blessed because that day is coming. That day is in store for you. Imagine, church, Jesus looking you in the eyes and saying those words. That day is coming for you, and you are blessed. So no matter what it looks like now, you are are blessed. The blessing of hunger is that there is an eternal satisfaction that is in store for us through Jesus Christ. And Jesus reminds us that our promise is not in the here and now. So even though, going back to our food analogy, we can, we can have some good food and enjoy it. And maybe even it causes us to, to think about that day when all of our joy and satisfaction is complete. It drives us to worship, right? The food is that good. Maybe you have some good coffee that does that. Maybe you have some good music a good movie, and you just enjoy it, it brings temporary satisfaction, all of those things should, for us, church, point us forward to the day when all of our satisfaction is complete perfectly in our Savior. That, day's, that day is coming. Church, I want to ask you, again, as we look at this, there's a question that pops off the page, and that is this, um, is it wrong to be full? I mean, Jesus woed us again. Is it wrong for us to be full? Church, a lot like riches, money was never the problem. The problem is and has always been a heart problem. The same is true here. Um, Fullness is not really the problem. Fullness is not really wrong. However, if we pursue our satisfaction, And we we give ourselves to this rat race of constantly appeasing our own appetite. And we give ourselves to that. We organize our lives for that. We pursue that being full. I promise you that you have missed it and you will never find it. You have missed it and you will never find it because, because true satisfaction is a byproduct of following Jesus Christ. If we... Eternal satisfaction, I'll say it like this, is not found through pursuing satisfaction. It's found through pursuing Jesus Christ, and all these things will be added to you. It's found through pursuing Jesus Christ. Jesus says, woe to you who are full now, who have put all your eggs in this basket, storing up for yourself everything in the here and now, living your life as though your appetite is the first and foremost importance in the world. Woe to you because it leads to emptiness, but blessed are you in Christ who long for future satisfaction, who although we again enjoy good things, they point us to our Savior, who is our ultimate good and who we will enjoy ultimately for all eternity. As we look at these first two things, uh, what we see common through them is that there is a blessing found when we trust what God said about us and our future. And there is a warning found when we rely on ourselves. Having said that, let's look at the third one. This one's fun. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and and weep. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Like, let's be honest. If you're here and you're thinking, you know, you're, you're visiting us and you're saying, you know, is this whole Jesus church thing for me? Is this really for me? That makes us sound awesome, doesn't it? <laughs> Welcome to the doom and gloom. No, no laughing, only weeping, right? <laughs> what on earth does that mean? What does Jesus mean here? Uh, well, let's look at the context. First, it, these men, again, these disciples, had just walked away from their typical life. The typical life, they just walked away from it, had left it to follow this man, who, by the way, Jesus already facing controversy. If you remember, he had already been tried to be murdered, he, he have evade, he's already evaded a, an attack on his life. And, and these men are looking at Jesus and saying, Is that what's ours? Is this it? We gave up and and this, this is it? I mean, there are better ways to organize your life to promote comfort, relaxation, leisure, like pleasure, and these men are looking at Jesus going, did we really sign up for that? Jesus, looking at these men, Comforts them with these words. You are blessed. You are blessed. I know that your life is no longer organized around your comfort. I know that you can look around and see a bunch of other people who look like they have it so much easier. I know that, but you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed because eternity is yours, laughter, comfort, is yours forever. You are blessed. By the way, has anyone ever felt that kind of struggle? Where you look at your life, maybe you've done something, you've stepped out on a limb for Christ, and and you're in the trenches of it. It is not going easy. And you look around and you see a bunch of people around you who are living these lives that seem that they are so easy and so simple. And if you had just not stepped out on a limb, your life would be, and you catch yourself envying Jesus looks you in the eye. You are blessed. You are blessed because eternity is yours. You will have a joy that will last eternity. And he says, woe to you who laugh now. You shall mourn and weep. In other words, if you organize your life as though you're the point, If you organize your life as though you're the God, your comfort, your leisure, your entertainment, as though that is the top priority, Jesus warns you, it is empty. It is empty. One of the most interesting and powerful, one of my favorite books in all the Bible is a book called Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is so painfully clear, so painfully clear that a pursuit of these things is vain. It is empty. You'll never find it. You will never find it. It is fleeting. It leads to emptiness, but blessed are you in Christ who long for our future joy. Now, question again. We've asked this on every one of them, so you knew it was coming. Is it wrong to have laughter and joy in your life? Yes. No, I'm joking. No. No, you probably know how I'm going to answer this, because just as money and food is not the problem, Just as it has always been a heart problem. Laughter is not the problem. Laughter is not our problem. The problem is found when we pursue a life of leisure and comfort and laughter as our primary goal. As our goal, we organize our budget and our time to make us feel awesome. That's the problem. That is the problem. We are not here on this earth. God did not create you and put you here for your own glory. And our greatest joy, our greatest joy, our greatest satisfaction is found when we live for his glory. That is our greatest joy because that joy is eternal. So as a follower of Christ, we enjoy the good things that God has blessed us with, knowing that they're not the point knowing that they never have been the point, knowing that they're just meant to point us to worship him even more. And again, blessing is found in trusting that God actually meant what he said about us. He means what he says about our future. And a warning for any attempt of self-reliance apart from him. Now, last one. This one is applicable. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Please note that phrase. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Verse 26. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. So understand, again, I've already said this, but Jesus was already facing rejection at this point. His disciples already saw this. They already saw him, like they were gonna take him and throw him off a cliff. And they're like, is that ours? Is that what we have to look forward to? You, you have to wonder, you know, as they looked at Jesus, they're wondering, what is this going to do with the way that my community and culture looks at me? If they're trying to kill him, what does that mean for me? What does it mean for what they're going to say about me? Jesus looks at them. You are blessed. Yours, your reward is in heaven. And plus, you're standing alongside of some really great men and women who have gone before you. You are blessed. You are blessed. What an encouragement. Now, Uh, I told you to mark some words, on account of the Son of Man. So when you're hated on account of the Son of Man. See, um, Jesus is not saying, blessed are you when your community hates you because you're a jerk. (laughs) Blessed are you when your community hates you because of you. That's not what he says. He says, blessed are you when you are hated on account of the Son of Man on account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When your gospel, your faith, the truth of the scriptures, comes in conflict with the world around you, and it causes the world around you to look at you and despise you, you are blessed. You are blessed. And and, and hear me, um, woe to you. When we bend our gospel, when we bend the truth, when we sacrifice, when we compromise in order to be liked by those around us. Woe to you, church. Is that not a message that we need to hear right now? Just this week, there were two more prominent leaders in the Christian world, uh, leaders in the the Christian community, who came out and publicly expressed the fact that they believe that we should relook at Scripture to find a way to make it make sense with the current sexual revolution. In an attempt to, 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 to um, love better the LGBTQ community, they encouraged Christians to follow them in rereading the scriptures in a different light and in a different way, saying we've gotten it wrong. Now, their heart is, I, I love their heart, it's compassion. It's love, that's beautiful. But it cannot be at the expense of the truth, the tr- church, blessed are you who hold faithful to God's word, when you are hated on account of Jesus Christ. You are blessed. Now, um, again, same question: Do we try to be hated? Some of us, I think, have taken it on them no. Um, Do we try to be hated? No. No. We try to love. Be known for our love. We do not try to be hated. But if hatred is a byproduct of us following after our Savior, then we say we will follow him in spite of it. That we will never stop following because we know. We read these words that Jesus said. We are blessed, and so these four things, all of these four things that Jesus puts out in front of us, um, there's one common thread, and, and we'll kind of wrap up with this. So there's one common thread, and that is this: you are not the point. That's a profound, philosophical statement. I know. You are not the point. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have laid down your rights. You have laid down your life. You have laid down yourself and you are not the center of your universe. Your satisfaction, your appetite, that is not your grand all be all. No, God is the point. And as we lay ourselves down, we die to ourselves. we live in light of his glory, not ours. There is a blessing that no one and nothing can take away, an eternal blessing that is ours in and through Jesus Christ. Here's what this is going to do. If we wrap our minds around us not being the point, it's going to do two things. It's going to cause us to look up and to look out. Um, it's going to drive us first to look up. So so in life, it's easy just to look down and to get so preoccupied with our here and now because our here and now is, for most of us, kind of crazy. right? It, it, we just get preoccupied with our trials, with our ups and downs. And it, as we realize the truth of this text... As we realize this, it's going to cause us to look up, and it's going to cause us to consider eternity. We need to consider eternity a little more often than we do. I know I do. It's going to cause us to look up, to consider God has a plan, to trust him. And it's also going to cause us to look out, because there's something amazing um, it's amazing how much this changes our life when we realize, when we grasp that we are truly not the center of the universe. We know that, and in, 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 I hope we know that in words, but when we truly know it, that we are not the center of the universe, all of a sudden we see the community around us in a completely different light. All of a sudden we see the people around us with an incredible amount of dignity. It changes. We look at life's stuff and we're able to see each other As Christ sees all of a sudden, when when the words of Jesus make sense, when he says, love God and love others, this text drives us to that because we are not the point. And as we look up, look out, we know that we do so and we are blessed. We are blessed. Um, Listen, I wanna end our time together in a strange way. Uh, In a a way that may seem a little odd to you. Um, You ready? You don't know. Um, we have uh, saved and we have, um, we have budgeted in, in, our, in our church uh, money that we have set aside to scatter well in our community. In other words, we've set aside funds that, that are specifically designed so that we can better make an impact in the community that we live. That we can be a blessing to this community. Uh, we, here at Stone Oak, we say all the time, uh, we gather, we scatter, and we multiply. We believe in these things. So we gather, meaning we come together like we are, big and small, in groups. We, we believe in this. We scatter, meaning not only do we come here, but we actually go out. An army is pretty useless if it's afraid to leave its base. And so we believe that we gather together, that we scatter out, and then also that we multiply on every level, like multiply uh, introducing people to Jesus, that we multiply disciples and leaders and groups and churches, that we believe in this. We gather, scatter, multiply. And so, as I said, we save some money for the purpose of, of, of scattering, specifically in our community. And as we um, we prayed, um, how can we best use these funds? Is it a program? Is it an event? God, we want to be faithful. We want to use it. What would you have us do? And then it, it, it kind of hit, it hit us. Um, the Bible is pretty clear that we are the church. You're not in church. You are the church. Like the Bible's pretty clear about that. That you are Stone Oak Bible Church. That I am. That together we are we are Stone Oak Bible Church. If, according to Ephesians, you're ministers. How how do you like that? Like that's pretty cool. You're ministers. And so uh, here's what we're going to do. Guys, you can go ahead and, and pass, pass the plates. Um, this is not an offering. In fact, in many ways, it's reverse of that. Uh, here's what we're going to do. These guys are, are passing the plates. Um, as they pass, uh, take one envelope for family unit. OK? One envelope for family for- family unit. Just every family represented here, grab. An envelope, okay? Um, As you do this, what you're gonna find is in that envelope, there is um, a $20 bill. Uh, Some of you, if you're a visitor with us, are like, What? I love this church. (laughs) I will be back every week. Um, But as it comes by, grab the envelope. There's a $20 bill in it. and, And here's what we're gonna do. All of us, all of us, if you're a visitor with us, come on, do this with us, all right? We're, we're one body, all right? Um, all of us, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray that God would give us a way that we can bless our community this week. That we can um, bless our community this week for us to, to take this money, spend it all on someone else for someone else's glory, For God's glory, not yours. So to take this money, to go out this week, um, church, we're scattering together, whether you like it or not, all right? We are scattering together where you are, in your job, in your community, you're scattering out, and you're gonna pray, um, God, what would you have me do? Uh, For some of you right now, you have something that goes, King, I know what I'm doing. Uh, maybe you're going to buy a meal for someone this week. Uh, maybe you are going to get groceries and stop by to that guy you see every morning on the corner. Uh, maybe, you're gonna, maybe you can use this money in some way to open the door to share the gospel, right? Like maybe ideas are starting to, to come to your mind. Um, but everyone here, every one of us, needs to use at least $20 this week For the kingdom of God in our community. Now, um, does that make sense? No. For some of us, you're probably thinking, what if I just pocket this money? Shame on you. (laughs) Right? This is the Lord's money. How dare you? No. Honestly, it's a risk that I'm willing to take. It's a risk I'm willing to take because, because our heart here is that we are all ministers of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we all scatter. Some of you might look at this money and say, I can do more. Rock on. Go for it, you know? Um, some of us, we might, this $20 is, is, would be beautiful, and we'll just use that. Wherever you are, this is hopefully a primer for us to get out and to get involved in our community. Um, okay. I have one thing to ask of you. There's only one catch, one stipulation, okay? Only one. Share your story. Share your story. Um, as a church, we take very seriously how we spend God's money. As you share your story, it gives us the idea of how our, commu- our church community made an impact in our community this week. It's a big deal. I want to encourage you, share your story. You can do this in three ways. One, old-fashioned, just tell me. Call me, email me, come find me, tell me. Number two, we created a website for this, stoneoakbible.com slash story. If you go there, you can write it out. It is anonymous. It will not put a name unless you put one. Uh, We don't care about a name. We just care about these stories. Go share your story there. Or third, um, you can just drop it in our offering box in the back. If you prefer the, the written way, you can drop it back there. Over this week, let's scatter together. Let's be on mission together, all right? I told you it was a weird way to end. Let, would you stand with me? Here's what I want to do. Since we're all scattering this week, I want to I come together, and I want us to pray and commission each other out. So as I'm praying, I want you to pray for the person to your left and to your right that God would open doors and opportunities for them to share the good news of the gospel this week, as we scatter. Let me pray for us. God, would you take us and would you move us and would you give us your eyes to see opportunities, open doors, and let us be a true blessing to our community this week. Let all glory go to you and not to us. Even if they never hear of Stone Oak Bible Church through this, but they hear you. They hear the name of Jesus Christ. We're all in. God, would you use us? As we scatter, would you use us? Commission us out. Bless us as we go. Bless our conversations. And give us some incredible ideas, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.